Amen. Well, my name is Ben, one of the pastors here at Hope Church, and today we're going to be in the book of Romans, chapter 12 again. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, you can turn with us to Romans chapter 12. If not, please don't panic. We'll have those words on the screen for you so you can follow along with what we're doing. And we do want to say happy Mother's Day to all the mothers that are out there. Uh, Obviously, it's a day we generally all want to celebrate. Father's Day, you kind of got to nudge people in the ribs a little bit. But Mother's Day, generally, everybody's on board for. And it's because I think, like David was alluding to, mother love is an unconditional love or as near as we get it. Most people get it in this world. And so if you're thinking about the kinds of things that lead people to understand divine love, yeah, what's better? And what kind of higher praise can you give to somebody than uh, you're helping to lead people to Christ. So, thank you moms. Uh, and kind of in the spirit of Mother's Day, or how Mother's Day maybe relates to the stuff that we're talking about today, uh, we're going to think about how special you are. How special are you as an individual? And mothers tend to insist that you're very special Pat you on the head, pat you on the back, telling you how special you are. And they may not be as objective as they could be. We want to think a little bit about how Scripture describes us as individuals or helps us understand how we interact with other Christians in the church. She can understand, especially in these times, how, how interesting some of these questions are and how they're being asked from different angles. What is the church? How do we fit together? How do we care for one another? And as Romans 12 does a good job today, how do you kind of have in your head the background of how all these things work? Where are the categories? How do they fit together and where do you fit in those categories? Let's dig in. Romans chapter 12, starting verse 4 says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members don't have all the same function, so we, though many, are one body, in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now, we're going through in this book of Romans, chapter 12. There's all these chapters that have come before this that are giving us a basis in understanding the gospel. Paul, the guy who wrote the book of Romans under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God wrote it, but he wrote it using the personality of this guy, Paul. And so Paul's writing God's words and he's telling us what God has done for us. And then he says, therefore, based on, in view of God's mercies, we're going to live as living sacrifices. Based on, in view of, by the grace given us, we're going to renew our minds. Based on, in view of, by the grace given us, we're going to understand how to think of ourselves the way that we should. And not think of ourselves more highly than we should. And each of these things, these thinking things, these consideration things, these understandings of ourselves that are going to then inform the way we think and the way we act then come to this place, which it almost seems like a left turn, where he immediately starts to talk about how we engage with the body of Christ. Or 
How do we act within the church? How do we regard one another? And how do we see one another? How do we understand ourselves in comparison to one another? This is the context. We are supposed to be God's people in Jesus. We understand that we are not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought, but to think of ourselves the way that God's declared that we are. Specifically, Romans 1 through 11, that we're really bad. The word that they use in the Bible is sinful, but the idea is that we've disobeyed God. And we've disobeyed God to the point that the only medicine, the only cleaning agent out there for us was the blood of an innocent. It seems dark, right? And yet, that's what God provided for us. We were so bad that that was what could clean us. And the only thing that could clean us. And yet, think of yourself as you should. This is what God says about you. And yet, even though you're there, God did that for you. You're so loved that he did give that for you. And he didn't just have some innocent that he created then be sacrificed for you. He actually gave himself. You see, in Christ, God and man, the innocent one, shed so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be brought into God's family. That's what we consider to be the gospel. That word just means good news. Then, as we understand the gospel, we have verse uh, 4 that's going to bring us into this understanding of us now being part of a team. It's very important for us to understand this because if we don't understand verse 3, which we talked about all last week, it's going to be difficult for us to understand verse 4. There's a lot of logic in putting verse 3 before verse 4. Thinking of ourselves not more highly than we ought or killing our pride before we start relating within the team, within the machine, the body of Christ. Why is that so important? Because, and the Bible has put its finger on exactly the right place when it says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. When you go to school, when you live in our modern world, generally people are trying to raise your self-esteem. Why is it that the Bible is actually doing the opposite and saying, hey, listen, guys, <laughs> I'm going to write this down and you're going to pass it down through the centuries and tell it to anybody that will listen? They don't need to think of themselves more highly than they ought. All of our culture is trying to ratchet up your self-esteem. And yet in this verse, what Paul is doing in verse 3 is he's trying to say, no, 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 I think we probably need to ratchet it down. And what he's saying, I think that's helpful, is whether you consider yourself to be doing really well, you have very high self-esteem, or you consider yourself to be doing really poorly, you have very low self-esteem. In either case, you're thinking of yourself more highly than you ought in that you have in your head this idea that you are going to have value based on how well you do something. That you are going to be the one who brings your value to the table. And either you consider yourself to be doing really well at that, and so you have really high inflated self-esteem, or you consider yourself to be doing really poorly at that, and you have really low self-esteem. But in either case, you have the idea that it's your job. And in that way, you're thinking of yourself more highly than you ought. It's not your job to declare who you are to the universe. It's God's job to tell you. And how amazing that the things he said about us are so glowingly negative and positive. So sinful that he had to die for us. And yet so loved that he did. If we can stand on that foundation for a moment, then we can spring into this idea of how we relate to one another. 
which again is just so mind-bendingly important as we're separated from each other in our normal rhythm. So now we have to go out of our way. We have to be very heads up. It's not just going to happen naturally. We have to be very aware of and intentional in our exercising these gifts one to another. What are they? How do they work? You're now part of a team. It says in verses 4 and 5, for as in, as in one body... We have many members. What he says there is your body, your physical body, has lots of parts to it. Little kid songs. Knee, but knees, elbow, knees and toes. I've got kids I don't remember the song. But you understand, there's parts. There's lots of pieces that come together to make a whole. As in your body, having many members, makes one whole. The members don't all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. He's saying that even though all the different parts of your body are different, they're all part of one body. They don't have the same function, and yet they are all part of one body. One of the things that's being underlined here, and I think we're going to lose it if we're not careful, is that he is saying we are fundamentally different in our usage. God has made us individually to be special. Your mother wasn't totally wrong. He has made you individually to be a part that's not like all the other members. And that you're supposed to engage in some way that's unique. If we don't understand that well, then we kind of downshift into a really awful version of Christianity. And it's not actually Christianity at all. It's what I think of as like a pyramid race. I was trying to conceptualize this, and the first thought I had, the first kind of illustration I came up with was a show on Nickelodeon like two or three decades ago called Guts with Mike O'Malley. I don't know if you remember this at all. I'll paint the picture quickly. It's not that conceptually deep. What they did was they took children, they forced them to go through all kinds of different like uh, competitions with each other, physical competitions. It all culminated in trying to climb the aggro crag, which was a false mountain thing that they had to climb up and smack little buttons as they went, which would set off lights and hopefully like release traps on the other kids that were racing up the mountain. Now, you may think that's really obscure as a reference. I thought it was really obscure as a reference, but when I typed it in my word processor, the spelling <laughs> corrected my spelling of agrocrag. Apparently, agrocrag is a word you can misspell, so it's maybe not totally out there. I thought it was, but the goal of the agrocrag is to race because there's only one spot at the top. And when the race is over, Michael Malley and I forget the name of the referee, this British lady, but they would then take the kids and they'd set them on an Olympic-style podium where you had three different levels. And you had third place, and everybody would really clap because, golly, didn't he try hard? And then you had second place, and you'd feel bad for that one because they were so close, but really, you had first place. And that's the one everybody's excited about. That's the one you want to be when you're watching that show. And it's so clear. There's one first place. Everybody else is lower. There's one top podium. There's a mountain, and there's only one person who's going to get to the top of that mountain first. Who's it going to be? Do you see how there's a different way of thinking about life in Christianity, life in the church, where we are all the same and we're competing for the same thing? The idea that we're all kind of like automatons. He's made us all the same and he set the same race before all of us. And for all of us, it's my loss when I see you gain. 
It's individual, and it's a zero-sum game. If you get to the top of the aggro crag before me, then I have to be lower on the podium than you. If you are more active in church and more active visually in church, then you're higher in the kingdom of God than I am. We're not a team, we're competitors. And you see this all the time in sports. It gets really bad really quick. And hopefully this gets out early, but you see it even in pro sports where people are competing not to win the game, but to win the contract, to win the playing time, to win having everybody see them as the best rather than playing their function in the team. That is not the kingdom of God. He has made us a real team. And by a real team, I want us to go even further and try and pull apart this even more. Because there are sports where everybody does exactly what they're supposed to do. Real winning programs where it's still very clear that some people are more important than other people. My uncle was at the Kentucky Derby years and years ago. It was still in the, the, kind of the reign of the Pats when um, Brady's winning all the time. I know he's with Tampa Bay now, but... He goes to uh, the Kentucky Derby horse race in Louisville, Lexington, Kentucky. Everybody wears giant hats. I don't know. And as he's there, he sees Tom Brady with the offensive line of the New England Patriots. And in the offseason, Brady had paid for all these linemen to go to the Kentucky Derby, and they were all wearing matching Rolex watches because Brady had paid for all of them to have really, really nice watches. Now, if you're Tom Brady, that's a really a smart thing to do. These guys are stopping other people from just bashing your brain out almost every play. You want them to like you. But it's also very clear that Tom's in charge and that Tom's more important. He bought their dinner. He gave them the watch. He bought their plane ticket. They came at his behest. Tom is the king. Is that what the church is like? We all have different functions, and sure, you know, you can go serve in kids' ministry, but we really know who the gifted people are. Is that how the church works? In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul uses this same sort of illustration, but he goes a little bit further with it. He says in verses 18 to 20, As it is, God has arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If we were all a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts... Yet one body. Listen, if you take apart a body, each of those pieces individually is a little grotesque. We have a lady at Hope Church, and one of the things she does, and she's a miracle worker, she's a brilliant, brilliant lady who does something that's very difficult and uh, very useful. She actually is involved with organ transplants, specifically with eyes. She'll help to harvest eyes that they can then use to give to people who need transplanted eyes. And all of a sudden, somebody who didn't have sight has sight. Now, that's incredibly cool, that's super interesting, but it's also important to kind of think about with a little bit more detail. She takes that eye out and then puts it in someone else in order for that other person to see. But if she takes the eye out and doesn't put it in, well, it's really not worth very much. And it really doesn't last that long. What we do when we start making our gifts and our service about us or about lifting ourselves up, what we do when we make our gifts and our serving uh, a downer because it's not exactly what we had in our head as what we should be doing or we should be receiving, 
We're separating ourselves from the body. We don't last long. No, God has given you joy in who he's made you. God himself takes joy in who he's made you. And here's how I want to build that case. In 1 Timothy 1.11, it says, In accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. So I'm telling you a fragment of a sentence because I want to just focus on this one piece where it says the blessed God. That word blessed is used about God a couple of different places. And it's specific because we can say blessed. I bless you. You're blessed. And it's not necessarily the same thing as what this word means. See, the people who translated from the Greek to the English for the ESV, which is the translation that we're using, chose to translate two different Greek words as both the word blessed, because it's probably pretty close. There's one word that we see a lot, and it's eulogetos. You're welcome. And it just means speaking good. I'm going to speak good on you. But then there's another word, makarios. And that word means happy. If you go to the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, blessed are the, he's using that word, he's using happy. A joy that goes all the way down and fills you up. Do you understand it saying that about God? I don't know what your conception of God is, but do you think of God as happy? He is. It does my heart no end of good to know that the center of all things is happy. <laughs> that, that if I can get to him, if I can experience something from him, I'll be tapping into what is essential happiness. We talk about all the time. We talk about pleasures forevermore at his right hand. We talk about how he's going to fill us with joy. Let's just use the word. He's going to make you happy as he is happy. And to put that back into the context of what we're talking about, when he sees you doing what he made you to be doing, you're showing him glory. You're doing his thing, his way, and he feels, as he looks at you, happy. It says in Isaiah 62, the, the last half of verse 5, it says, As the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Have you ever been to a wedding? They talk about this in movies. But it's just clear. Hopefully you noticed this before you went to a movie. But if you ever go to a wedding, there's that moment where the, the groom is standing up in the front, you know, trying to look okay in a tux. And then the music starts or stops or whatever. And the, I haven't done a lot of weddings. And the door opens. And there's the bride. Everybody stands up. And they turn around to look at the bride. Because she's radiant. But nobody has eyes for that lady like the groom. Oh, in that moment, he can't see anything wrong with her. He's thrilled by the love for this woman. Can you imagine God, out of all the possible illustrations, going straight to the top shelf of human experience in order to communicate how he feels when he looks at you. You're not essentially broken. 
just because you don't have the gift set you thought you should have. He made you, and he is happy with you. Yes, you're a sinner. Yes, you need to be forgiven. Yes, you need to be covered in Christ. Of course, I started with the gospel. I'll end with the gospel. Let me say it again here. But in Christ, the Christ whom he had killed so that you could be forgiven, he sees you and he loves you. So, be part of the team. Do the thing that he's made you to do. Teams work. ESPN has nothing to talk about right now except for that Bulls documentary. And that Bulls documentary is pretty exciting because it was a team that worked. It doesn't take 10 minutes to get into the business literature to find something railing people about how great it is to have teams and to have your team work and how organizational health is what matters most. Patrick Lencioni, The Advantage. If you don't have your team down, you lose. Be part of the team. The world has seen it. Teams work. And if you're going to be part of this team, you need to do a couple of things. One is you need to commit. Hey, belong before you believe. We're going to take it slow like you need us to. But what we're not going to do is just be cool with you never doing anything at all. If that means service to the church, sure, we're, not, we're okay. But what we're not cool with is for people to not be walking. You can observe. You can take your time. We're going to hopefully help you take your next step. And that step can be as small as you want it to be. But what we're not okay with is there, there does seem to be this group of people who are just okay to not step forward. To not push. To not grow. That we're not okay with. You have to start to commit to be part of what's going on, to be a team member in this team. It's not a crazy thing to want to join a church. We have membership at Hope Church. It's a thing where people say, okay, I'm down with what you believe God to be, what you believe the Bible to say, and the leadership in the direction that you're going in as a church. Hope Church exists to make disciples and plant churches. There are people who say, we're down with that too. That's why we're here too. We're going to commit. And they become members of Hope Church. It's not crazy to want to be a member of Hope Church. In fact, I would say it's closer to what you might consider schizophrenic to be part of lots of different churches and never really commit to any. That's closer to my idea of crazy. It's not crazy to commit. We're going to make that option available for you. We want you to think through that when you're ready to do that. If you're going to be part of the team, there is a level at which you need to commit. You need to connect. It's not okay to just be part of the church and not connect with people, to be known by people and to start functioning with those other parts. There is no part of the body that just exists outside of the body on its own, away from the body. That grotesque eye example that I did earlier, I think I already made that point. You've got to connect. It says in John 13, 34 and 35, this is so good, this is from the lips of Christ. He says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. Hey, you looking for a way for Hope Church to stand out? 
to rise above the noise and get people to notice it and start to really critically understand what is the gospel? What do these people believe? You know how we're going to do that? Jesus said it. We're going to love one another. Are you frustrated and disagreeing with other people within Hope Church when it comes to this whole thing? Of when are we supposed to get together and how's it going to look and what kind of mask are you going to wear and how many times are you going to do this and that and the other and what does it say about what you think about the facts? Can I tell you what will work better than the argument? Making the argument to the world about the gospel and the way that you show love to one another. That's just Jesus. You have got to commit. You have got to connect and you've got to kill it. Now, I was going to say something like commence in order to have a third C, but that didn't really work. Kill kind of starts with a C word. Uh, it's a C noise anyway. And it helps to get at what the final parts of this verse say. You got to kill it. It doesn't always work to do three of the same letter. All right. You got to kill it. Here's how it finishes. Romans 12, 6 through 8 says, Have gifts, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Do you see what this is saying over and over and over again? It's saying, I'm not just going to do, I'm going to really do. I'm not just going to kind of phone this in as a functionary. I'm really going to seek to do everything I can, to as hard as I can, do what God has made me to do. How do you do that? Honestly, it really is by setting aside the ego. Being confident in what God's made you to be. Stopping worrying about whether or not everybody is noticing how wonderfully you're functioning as an eye and just getting to the business of seeing. Can I tell you how much better it is to not have to worry about your eyes? I've got crazy long lady eyelashes. I always have. I used to get stopped at this McDonald's because <laughs> of the one same lady. Every time I'd come through, she would just compliment my eyes. <laughs> it was a very old lady. It wasn't weird. Uh, and she always complimented because I have very, very long eyelashes. The downside of that is that you always have something falling out and into your eyeball and you get really good at plucking that stuff back out. Yesterday, I think I got an over, a little overzealous with it and I really messed up my eye. I was rubbing it all day long, having to wash my hands constantly. Can I tell you, it's much better to not have to think about your eye. What's better is for your eye to just work like it's supposed to and for you to observe the beauty of the world. If you can somehow set aside the ego because you trust Christ and you're choosing a better definition of who you are, then you can function. And as you function, you'll start to do what you're supposed to do and experience all that God has for you to experience as part of this body. Now, one thing that's important to do whenever you kind of go through this kind of thing is to address some of the objections. And of course, there are objections to committing further or being a part more fully of a church. Because you say to yourself, what if the church disappoints me or hurts me? I get disappointed by the church all the time. 
How do I continue to engage and continue to engage with zeal if the church hurts me or disappoints me? Well, that's where you remember what's core to all of this. Romans 12, 5, and you may have missed it because we were kind of talking about stuff before and beyond it. But it says, we, though many, are one body in Christ. Using this metaphor in lots of different places, in Colossians 1.18, Paul says about Christ that he is the head of the body, the church. How do I stay around when I get disappointed? I remember what brought me here in the first place. I'm not involved with this church because they're so stellar, but because Christ is so wonderful. His love for me is so enticing. How do I stay involved when they hurt me? I remember who's really in charge of this place. And I stay connected to him. Flip side, the other kind of version of this objection is, how do I stay involved when I disappoint the church? How do I stay involved when shame rides on top of my head like a monkey? How do I stay around when I'm the one who screwed up and it feels like if I'm a body part on the church, I'm a skin tag. I'm just an ugly little extra that would be best removed. Well, again, you go back to the head. You affirm the truth of Scripture, which says you're part of this body because he chose you. Because he loved you and he made you and he's going to remake you. The gifts that we're talking about, whether it's being a leader or having this charitableness or being somebody who gives or being somebody who teaches or somebody who exhorts, these gifts are considered gifts because they're given by God. You look to him and you remember that I may not know exactly what that gifting is yet, but as I serve and as I commit, the people that are around me and the Holy Spirit that's inside me, they're going to make me effective. How do I commit when I know that I could disappoint the church? You remember that you're forgiven in Christ. How do we do all this? Why do we do all this? <laughs> if it's not about ego, listen, it's free to just be about God and his glory. It all comes back. Do you know that he loves you? Mother's Day, think about the greatest day your mom ever had. It's just showing you uncritical, absolutely unconditional love. Do you know God? He's going to beat that. He already has in the cross. Hope Church exists to help you understand that so much so that it redefines you. Our prayer, and I'm about to pray it now, is that you'll continue to engage, even though we're separated and those normal kind of rhythms are broken up. New community groups are starting up. We're doing these yard parties. We're figuring out ways to get together. You still can engage. Will you? I promise, listen, if you're a believer, that God is going to turn you into an effective member of the body. And then if you're not a believer, I hope that you'll see something of the attraction, something of the pull of a love like this and of a purpose like this. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord God and Heavenly Father, I do just ask right now that you would, by your grace, make these things palatable. Make them understandable, but also make them attractive. Help the people in your church to understand something of what's going on in their heart when they deal with their identity in the church. 
Who am I and where do I fit? What is my job and how well do I do it? Father, that you would just take the ego out of it by taking the pride out of it, by reminding us to think of ourselves as we ought. So that, Lord, we would glorify you and experience the happiness that you give us in Christ. We pray these things in your holy name.